Hello, everybody. Welcome to Becoming Better, the podcast dedicated to helping you become a better human being. I'm the host of this show, Chris Bailey. This is episode number 35, an idea to sleep on. It's an, even, an odd evening recording. How do you feel about that? I mean, I'm not a night person, but no. I feel like this is the right time of day to talk about this specific topic. When we're all sleepy, when we're groggy, it'll make for a good podcast. We also weren't even supposed to record tonight, <laughs> but we weren't even supposed to talk about this specific idea, but we were talking about it and yeah. I thought it was a really good idea. And I pushed for us to do an extra recording. Yeah, well, we were on a nice evening walk. We got I got a nice decaf Americano from Starbucks. You were smarter, and you got something I'm without... always smarter. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, we'll let the, the, the listeners of Becoming Better... To, no, please don't email. Everybody will think you're smarter. But, but you got a nice uh, decaf herbal tea. I'll be up till in the, the middle of the night because I guess I've, I failed to follow the advice of the podcast. Decaf that coffee has caffeine. It's decaf, not no calf, but this... this caffeine nighttime haze, if you will, kind of got us thinking. Uh, and we were, you know, you, you've been doing this thing for, since I've known you for, you know, we've been together almost 10 years now, uh, way back when you were finishing up your undergrad and uh, through today with you becoming, getting your doctorate degree and, and doing ah. all, yeah, ah, Dr. Arden, everybody. Not um, yet. Yeah. Hopefully, eventually. Okay. Maybe down the line. Maybe if I do this enough times, I'll I'll finish my thesis. The podcast? No, this oh. an idea to sleep on idea. I'm trying to segue in because okay. you're you're Am very hyper with the coffee. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> hyper and I'm rambling. But you know, you're so often averse to little you know the hacks or tactics. I guess we could say. But this is something you've been doing for for years, years, years since I've known you. And you say this is where some of your best ideas come to you too. Yeah, I, because I don't think this is a hack. I think mm. the natural hack version of this would just be staying up all night trying to like <laughs> piece away at, at some idea. So the whole idea here is that at the end of your day, when you're going to disconnect from work for the rest of the evening, you write down, I actually literally write it down, but I guess you don't have to. Um, you write down help. one thing, like one open loop or one problem that you want to solve and think about until the next day. And this was something I started back when I was working at the government way back when I was still doing my undergrad and I was doing the two and I would either be working on my academic work or I would be working on my actual like machine learning work that we were doing at the government at the time. And there would always be something that I was kind of stumped on Mm -hmm. for one of those pieces and just writing it down so that overnight, usually the next morning I would come, come to the problem and have a better idea of how to start it or how to tackle it or would have come up with an entirely like an actual way to solve the problem. It's a very simple idea. Just keep one open loop in your head. I don't really understand why it works. I'm, I know there is science to say like, oh, this, this does have a basis and I'm not just making this up in my head. Yeah. This does work. But just putting an open loop out there for you to think through overnight is insanely helpful. So when, when do you write this thing down? Do you write it down right after you work or do you write it down before bed, what what have you found works best? So, I mean, normally it it's almost kind of a natural end point to my day when I have figured out what the what this thing is. So, for me, 
normally if I am no longer making progress towards something, it's because I'm really tired and mm-hmm. that any extra time I put into something, I'm just having diminishing returns at that yeah. point. So I can just keep throwing time at this problem and attention at a problem and I'm not going to solve it because I'm too tired or too exhausted from the day. And when I'm converging on that point, like when I'm reaching the point that I'm no longer making productive progress to a problem, oh. that's the point when I realize, oh, this is a sleep on it problem. Ah. And I write it down and that's when I like usually disconnect for the day. So there are certain types of problems that work better than others for this, would you say? Yeah, I think so. So in my work, just because so much of what I do is very technical, a lot of these the problems that I use this for or or that I usually write down are very technical. So there'll be like specific problems in my code. So for example, I know one Mm. of the papers I was working on in the summer, I was running into a lot of issues with some of my data not matching across time periods or across surveys. And I really couldn't figure out why because I knew they were from the same observations. They just weren't matching. So I wrote this down overnight thought about it. And when I came to it the next morning, I I had figured out a way where I could match using like relatives, like literally family relatives within my data of observations to try to to match the data more accurately. So, I mean, Mm. that's a really technical example, but I think like today, for example, my, I'm working on a paper with a co-author and we um, separated one of our measures of trade openness into its component parts. And I, the results we got were a little counterintuitive and almost the exact opposite of what I would have expected. So mm. my problem tonight is to think about why I'm finding that kind of result. Just delete all the outliers. Oh, no. <laughs> Isn't that what any good academic does when they like uh, when the data doesn't fit what they want to see? I feel like that's if there's an insane measurement problem. I don't ever really have to delete outliers. Um, I've never had an example where that was the solution. You're, you're a good academic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are cases where you do that. I just don't have those kinds of cases. Um, but I mean, this could be something as simple as just thinking over a delicate email or yeah. anything that you you can't come up with quickly and would benefit from a little additional time of just background thinking while mm. your brain solves a problem. And I mean, this was something I did because I hated overnighters and yeah. I used to do it because I didn't like staying up really late and sleeping on a problem is way more effective than pulling an all-nighter and it, trying to figure it out. It's kind of a way to get some free thinking out of your brain. Your yeah. brain will think anyway and process information anyway while you're asleep. Why not have it turn away at something productive and something that'll lead to an insight later? Yeah. There's there's actually some fascinating science behind this and uh, you know, definitely for these insight solutions that you mentioned, it, it helps us w- when we reach an impasse with that and when our mind has a chance to kind of encode this impasse in one way or another. So we know that it's a problem that is currently unresolved in our head. And what, what came to mind during our lovely evening uh, walk, w- would you call it a stroll? Would you call it a stroll? Any walk with you is a stroll. You're, yes. you're a pretty slow walker. <laughs> More of a saunter, really, than a, than a stroll. But yeah, yeah. there's kind of two things that came to mind during this lovely uh, evening saunter to Starbucks and, and back. <laughs> um, and, and the first one is called the Zagartnik effect. And the second is just the power of dreaming. Um, and so the, this, this tactic is a way of strategically taking advantage of both of those things. So the Zagartnik effect, it has kind of a weird name. It's named after a lady named Bluma Zagartnik, who I think she That's was a... such a cool name. Yeah, Bluma. 
That is a really cool name. Yeah, the the research paper. I, I remember reading this research paper for for Hyperfocus, my second book, and the original research paper where she coined this term. Because I guess if you come up with something like this, you can name it after yourself. Is written in German or, or Dutch or something? Hmm. Yeah. So had to break out the translation. Luckily, it's a well-known effect. And so the, <laughs> there's a lot of translations, probably in, in many different languages in addition to English. But the, the Zagartnik effect essentially says that any problem in our life that is currently unresolved, we store it front of mind. And so this is why when you have kind of a, an unresolved problem and then your mind is wandering a bit, suddenly the, the solution hits you because your mind connected a few of the things your mind had wandered to, to that unresolved problem. Oh, I uh, love that. That yeah. makes so much sense. So, so essentially we see that the, the Zagartnik effect uh, leads us to see and perceive the world around us through the uh, problems that we've reached an impasse uh, with when we're in the middle of solving them. And so, because of this effect, our mind wanders to all these incredible places when we're dreaming. And so, you, you kind of combine the Zagartan effect with, with the dreaming effect. Now, neuroscientifically speaking, they've actually done studies where they lay people down and wheel them into an fMRI brain scanning machine. The, the dreaming network, the, the network in our mind that's fired up when we're dreaming is very, very similar to the network when we're daydreaming, which is when we come up with all these, these insight solutions that we would never arrive at otherwise. And, and of course, when we have less energy, that helps us too because our mind is less inhibited, which is all combined when we're dreaming to create this, this space in which we're able to just process what we're in the middle of. And we become far more likely to wake up in the morning thinking, wait, I have it. This is how I connect all the families in my data. I wasn't quite following your example, but I think I think it had something to do with families and data. Yeah. I mean, that's a really complicated way of saying you should just sleep on it and yeah. you'll be fresher in the morning. <laughs> Pick um, one thing. Do you ever do this though? Like, have you ever no. tried this? Huh. Never. Well, well, sometimes when I'm writing a book, I have an outline. And so I'll, I'll review that last thing in the day uh, so that when I go to bed, I can kind of process that. And I always wake up with more ideas. Mm-hmm. I've never done it for a specific problem but uh, but now that I think is so I've got not at least 99 problems that I'm facing right now <laughs> you're not one of them Arden, hey. my, my lovely wife and co-host <laughs> of the podcast it's nice I have 90, 98 problems that I'm processing so maybe I'll write down one uh, tonight but don't write down 98 because I found I have there have been a couple of times where I'm like maybe I could put down two things on my list and it never oh, works out I mean just I one I this is I am uh, a data set of one. I'm just one person. So, I mean, this doesn't mean <laughs> yeah. that not everybody could come up with two two problems. But I mean, like, if you're really going to think about one thing overnight, I feel like you kind of have to limit it to one if yeah. you really want to get all the benefits of this. And I would add, um, if the research is any indication, to make it something that you've reached a strong impasse with. Um, because the things that we've reached the strongest impasse with, with, those problems are usually the most strongly encoded in our mind. And so we're more likely to connect more things to it. I would be very consistent with what I found. I normally find that if I have a very specific and really complicated thing in mind mm. when I finish up for the day, that's usually when the next morning I come come at it and feel the best about 
the progress I the made. The research bears it out. Wow, look at that. Wow. It's real-time research. Now, <laughs> I, I have the book that I mentioned, Hyperfocus, in front of me because, um, of course, I, I dig into the, the science of mind-wandering. It's actually half of the book is devoted to how mind-wandering makes us creative. And I talk about dreaming a bit. And I guess, is it kind of weird if I quote my own book here? Only a little, but I'll allow it. We've only done one dramatic reading, right? Of the book? Of one <laughs> of the books? Dramatic reading. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could literally just like snip a bit of the audiobook if I was allowed to do that, if I if I own the copyright to the audiobook, which I don't. But I have the book here and I'd love to see anybody stop me from reading this this paragraph. <laughs> so the, essentially I just um it, you know, of course a book is a a better crystallization of your thoughts about an idea than anything extemporaneous on a podcast, which is why I'm reading this paragraph. But uh, like I I did a bit of research when writing the book into just how many people throughout history solved problems in their sleep. And so, I now present to you a dramatic reading from Hyperfocus. What page is this? This is uh, page 179, Sleep on a Problem. It's a lovely way of connecting even more dots in our sleep. The book reads, <clears throat> quote, There are countless examples of Eureka insights that have struck people as they dreamed. To harness the power of sleep, Thomas Edison would go to bed holding a handful of marbles and Salvador Dali would doze off with a set of keys in his hand dangling over a metal plate. Both men would continue holding the items during the lighter stages of... See, in a podcast... (laughs) (laughs) You don't have somebody editing that. (laughs) Yeah, I have to edit this myself and I'll definitely be too lazy. In an audiobook, when you slip up, what they do is they play to your last natural pause and then you just kind of pick up. Uh, Both men would continue. I'm not going to edit this at all because people have to pay for the unmessed up up version. Uh, Both men continue holding the items during the lighter stages of sleep, but drop them once they hit a deeper stage, which woke them up. This allowed them to capture whatever insight was on their mind in that moment. Edison put it memorably when he purportedly urged that you should never go to sleep without a request to your subconscious. Oh man, does this mean I'm basically Thomas Edison? I I can't wait to see what kind of things you invent. Oh, I actually can't even remember anything he invented. Is he the (laughs) The light bulb, right? (laughs) Yes. Well, he didn't invent the light bulb. I was going to say glasses. Was that him? Did he invent? I think you're thinking Benjamin Franklin. Those two often get confused in my head. Who also invented lightning. No. Yeah. Wasn't he the guy <laughs> he who attached the key, the key the to the kite? Yeah. 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 He was, there's a Hamilton song. Key what? to the kite. You see it right. He's here, right? You see it right. This is not making it into the podcast. <laughs> Actually, maybe it is. People can hear what we usually leave on the cutting room floor. But I feel so- like anybody who just listened to that, though, will be very appreciative of audiobook editors yeah. because they would have experienced now an audiobook without all of the editing. Yeah, and they're not listening anymore because they've already unsubscribed, but... <laughs> no, come back. <laughs> Please this, come back. This is we, a really useful tool, and I, I love this, and I yeah. honestly... I, I can point to something in every single paper I've written or every project I've worked on that I've, I've came up with this way, so... Yeah. Uh, it works, and it worked for Thomas Edison, so... Yeah, so it, it can work for you, you as have, well. You uh, data set now of two where this worked, so yeah, that you, is evidence for you. You can, you can reinvent the light bulb. You can, you can do whatever you put your <laughs> or, mind to. Or eyeglasses. I mean. Yeah, or eyeglasses. <laughs> Well-trodden ground, but just something simple to try. 
one idea that we had on this walk, this is a magical walk this evening, um, just kind of randomly occurred. I don't know if it'll work for the podcast. Who knows? You know, sometimes these things stick and sometimes they don't. But we encounter a lot of information in, in our research, in our work, in the books that we read, in the, in the people that we talk to. And we thought it would, might be fun to end each podcast with a, a little tidbit uh, for you to reflect on for, and for you to incubate. Speaking of ideas and connecting uh, and collecting information, um, it, it could be related to the episode that we just had. It could be related uh, to nothing at all. I love it. So the idea that I have, so I, I have a friend, her name is Kate Flanders. Uh, she wrote a book called The Year of Less, and she has a new book which just came out. I am loving this book so far. Some some authors just have this natural uh, presence on the page. Maybe, maybe we should try to have her on. She's a previous guest and friend of the show. Uh, but this idea that, that I wanted to share with you to end the the podcast today, it talks about how when we go away uh, and we make a decision in our life that kind of bucks the trend. So when we, um, we, we decide to live in a way that's a bit different from those around us, um, we often find ourselves in a position where other people encourage us not to do that thing, where they question our decisions, they make us feel as though we're being reckless, even though uh, we're doing the thing that is most intuitive to us. And, and she writes... Uh, and I quote from the book, again, page 58 of Adventure. This is like, this episode's like a book report. Uh, page 58 <laughs> of Adventures in Opting Out. Uh, she writes, quote, most people aren't trying to judge or attack your choices. It's really not about you at all. The truth is that most people can see only as far for you as they can for themselves. So the concerns or questions they throw at you are the same ones they would be considering. And if they can't consider why you want to do it, it's only because they can't fathom doing it themselves. And so I, we receive a lot of letters from the podcast about people who are doing things a bit differently, uh, non-traditional career paths, non-traditional decisions, just unique people who are creative and uh, thriving in, in ways that are different from the rest of the world. And so I thought that was the perfect quote to end this thing with and an idea to take with you between this episode and the next one, one to incubate, maybe one to think about uh, overnight. Sleep on it. Sleep on it. You won't regret it. So uh, finishing up, becomingbettershow.com is where you can find the corresponding blog article for this episode. We hope you have a wonderful week and we'll see you in a couple Tuesdays. Bye.